Welcome to the Lotus Flower Podcast. I am your host, Reverend Dr. Pamela Robinson, and I bring you greetings on behalf of my co-host, Reverend Curtis L. Robinson, Sr. Here at the Lotus Flower Podcast, our aim is to educate, empower, and equip our listening audience with culturally relevant, spiritually uplifting educational topics. You know, it's the lotus flower that blooms in adversity, meaning the lotus, it actually blooms and blossoms out of the muddy, murky water. So it goes in this dirty water and there's like seeds of the lotus in this dirty water and the water is all covered with rocks and mud and dirt and leaves and all of that. But this little lotus, those seeds are down up under all of that mucky water. But however, what happens is the seed begins to be watered and nurtured and it comes to fruition by pushing its way up against all of that chaos that should be keeping it down. But it pushes up out of that chaotic environment and it blooms and it blossoms into this beautiful pink and white flower. And when it blooms and blossoms, you would never know that it came from such a treacherous environment. That lotus flower is likened to the lives of many of our podcast guests that have come on and shared from the depths of their spirits. Many of our guests' lives have actually started out with situations that weren't as favorable. However, they were able to bloom and blossom outside of that chaos. Why? because most of our guests have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and they believe what the Bible says that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me and greater is he that's within me than anything in the world. So our guests, they've come on the podcast and they've shared what it means to bloom and blossom out of unfavorable conditions. That is what this Lotus Flower Podcast is all about. We're here to empower, to educate, and to equip you, our listening audience, with culturally relevant, spiritually uplifting topics so that your lives can be impacted and changed for the better. Tonight, we have a guest with us that is here for the second time on the podcast. And she is a guest that truly is a beautiful lotus flower. Her life is one of beauty and fragrance. Why do I say that? Because when you come around this lady, you automatically are drawing into her presence and it brings peace to you. And it puts you at a place where you feel welcome where you feel at home and where you feel embraced because she's letting off the fragrance from her life. But there is a backstory 
there's a backstory that brought about this beautiful fragrance that her life lets off at this time. Our very special guest tonight is a friend of mine and a colleague. Her name is Dr. Keetra Davenport King. Dr. Keetra Davenport King is a charismatic, energetic, and captivating woman of God. She's armed with over 20 years of serving the community. Dr. Keetra Davenport King is an advocate, speaker, mentor, coach, and a philanthropist who radically impacts the lives of believers under the flagship of her ministry. Dr. Keetra is a native of Dallas, Texas, and she received her Bachelor's of Arts in Science and Christian Counseling, a Master's of Arts in Christian Education, a Master's in Business Administration from the Dallas Baptist University. She also has earned her doctorate degree of strategic leadership from Regent University. Dr. Davenport King wholeheartedly believes when you live in a community, there should be a handprint of your work left behind for future generations. She launched the North Vernon Women's Community Bible Study Group in 2015 to bridge the gap and bring together a diverse group of women to improve the family dynamic in unserved communities. Dr. Davenport King is the author of two books. One, Seeing Beyond the Shattered Glass, and two, Revelations. Both books are available on Amazon.com and also through Dr. Keetra's website. We are so excited to have Dr. Keetra Davenport King with us once again this evening. Now pull up a seat and listen. And I guarantee you that your lives will be forever changed by what this woman of God is going to share with us. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, Hi. Dr. Petra. Hi, how are you? <laughs> well, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm great. Just happy to be here in the land of the living. <laughs> yes, I am happy to be here as well, because God did not have to allow us to be here, did he? No, it's he only, doesn't. He gives us grace every day. Yes, it's only by his grace and mercy that we're here today. Well, tonight, we're going to talk about surviving in the struggle. Mm -hmm. And I love Dr. Keetra's motto, the struggle has no hold on the outcome. The struggle has no hold on the outcome. Can you tell us a little bit about what do you mean by the struggle has no hold on the outcome? Well, okay, first of all, let me just say thank you, um, Pastor Robertson, and thank you to your co-host, Bishop Robertson, for allowing me to be a guest on Lotus Flower. So I'm very humbled for the opportunity to be able to share with you and your guests. So thank you so much. Um, when I think about um, the struggle has a hold on, the 
the outcome for me and my transition in life is that when God gave that to me, I was in a very, I was standing in transition. I was in a transitional place. And in that transitional place, I let me point out that I was going through a divorce. I was, I think I had a seven-year-old and a five-month-old. I had just decided to go back to school at the age of 30, because all this is transitioning right at that time of age of 30. And I was walking to class. I had dropped my daughter off and my mom's and my son off in my mom's house because she would keep them because I had to work all day. And then I got off work. I picked up my kids. We did homework. We did baths. We did all of those good things. And then mm -hmm. I would take them to my mom's house because I had to be in class at 8.30 at night. And oh so um, I remember as I was walking through this, the four years of, of the school I was attending at the time, um, I heard just, you know, spiritually, just that very statement, the struggle has no hold on the outcome. And I really didn't understand it. And I remember going to class because I was going to class. And I sat in my seat. I'm like, did I, did I do that for somewhere? Maybe that was a thought. But that was, to me, that was God's um, affirmation, and that was his confirmation to what he was taking me through because I said yes and I was walking, that no matter what I experience, no matter what I go through, that the struggle will not have a hold on the outcome. Just keep going. So when it gets hard, keep going. When you get to those places where you want to throw a book like I did, you want to shed some tears like I did, just keep going because God has already affirmed us and you and whoever when we're going through these moments that the struggle has a hold on the outcome. So that's how that came about in a very narrated, <laughs> in a narrated that's but that, that's how God gave it to me. And that has stuck with me and that is my motto and that that's my mantra and I, I use it daily. That's excellent. That's excellent. And I would encourage our listening audience, if you don't mind, to begin to use that also, because mm -hmm. that's something that should be actually written in a journal and put on your refrigerator, put in your bathroom, on the bathroom mirror, put next to your, your uh, bedroom. When you wake up in the morning, you can see that the struggle has no hold on the outcome. So it can become a part of you and actually cause you to just begin to just continue on in spite of whatever you're facing that day. Also, you have actually founded a group entitled the Life Advocacy Group. Life Advocacy Group is is your your baby, something that, that you birthed, and I would like to hear a bit about it, and I'd love to have our listening audience hear about it and also how they could actually get in contact with you to possibly be a part of the group as well. Well, um, so let me, let me um, Life After Advocacy Group Incorporated is a nonprofit organization that I started in 2004, and that is kind of when I was going through that transitional, God had me in my season of transition when I was seeking out purpose. Um, he mm -hmm. had took what was very, um, was, was supposed to kill me, but he turned it, in, he turned it around for my good. Um, I was a, a victim of childhood sexual abuse, and so through that, um, and, and through my willingness to see God in, in that time in my life, he spoke to me and said that it wasn't for me, it was for others. So I had, I, I was going through that purification and identification period and just start seeking God, start, I'm sorry, seeking God for my purpose. And that is when um, Life After Advocacy Group was birthed out. Now, Life After Advocacy Group is a component of various things. What we do is we help women, men, and children who have been victims of sexual assault, abuse, uh, and molestation, and I am. Um, I we target 
we target awareness and prevention, and we also target, um, we're a liaison for services that are needed for that individual, so they will contact us, we, you know, we will assess them, and then we will decide, we can help them navigate to what best serves them. Because sometimes, as long as I've been doing this, some people just need a conversation. So yes. that is what Life of the Advocacy Group is for. Um, so they, they may not need that whole counseling day to day. Now you have some people who do need that, mm -hmm. but yes. that um, Life After Advocacy Group is a liaison. So we are in a place, the mediator, to help the victims and create a space where the victims can be able to be comfortable, one, to speak out, to tell their truth, and be able to become free. And so that is why um, it's very important to me that I, I, um, I, I'm an advocate at heart. I'm, I speak to the lost. I speak to the broken. And that is what Life After Advocacy Group is. So um, I don't, we don't do a lot of groups, but we are a group of, we are community. We are a group of individuals who come together to help those who have been victimized to get the services they need. And the, the women, do you serve women and men or just all, only women in the group well, in your life? We serve, we serve the whole body. So that's men, okay. women, and children. Because, I see. Um, <clears throat> women, um, I mean, obviously my passion pushed the agency, the organization, um, because as women, you, you, you tend to hear more stories about women speaking out, but men are also victims too. And so I children, see. they kind of get caught in a shuffle. That's why we really focus on awareness and prevention. And through awareness mm -hmm. and prevention, the more you talk about it, the more you, you understand it, the more you identify what abuse looks like in your home, in your church, in your community, in your school, then you're able to put a, a, you know, a fingerprint on it. And then at that point, you can say, oh, that's why. So we serve the whole body. We, we serve the whole body. Because I believe that, that, you know, everybody needs that support. That's good. And then when you serve the body, do you have it broken down into different um, groups that are geared toward the, the different individuals and, and their ages, or is it geared toward their, their need or maybe what is going on in their life at that time? Or how are how are the groups set up? Okay, so Life of the Advocacy Group, we, um, we are a liaison organization. So most of our ind the individuals who contact us, they are one and ready to speak out. So we create a space for them to tell their story. That don't necessarily have to be in a group setting. That could be okay. in a one-on-one. -on -one. That could be an individual. Okay. And then from that point, we, we um, help create a profile for this individual. And then mm -hmm. we refer them out to organizations or, or counselors or yeah. um, individuals who actually do ongoing groups. So okay. I am, I'm, yes, I'm a, a life, a life advocate. So I don't, I, I have, I've been doing it for so long and let me just kind of give you a backdrop to that because that'll kind of help clarify what life of the advocacy group is now. Um, okay. When we initially started doing it, we did, we, we did client services. So okay. client services was our big and then the guy laid up on me, heart, laid up on my heart to go in a different direction. So our, mm -hmm. our focus currently is to bring awareness and prevention and to and create a space for individuals to get the support that they had. How do I do that? By speaking on different platforms, by spreading the um, the importance of 
how to speak out, and also to be able to create. So you contact our agency. You will you will contact. You will get an appointment. You will speak to an advocate. We will assess. We will identify, and then if you just need a space to talk, then we will definitely talk. But if you need a you need to be referred, then we will refer you to our counselors who we are we have relationships with, or a counselor who best best serves your needs. I see. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. Now, mm-hmm. when we move further down, I know that when when a person has experienced something such as sexual abuse, they've got to come to a place where they make a decision to want to heal. And I have something I just want to read before we move down and talking about your book that leads into this. And it talks about the decision to heal. And this says that if you enter into healing, be prepared to lose everything. Healing is a ravaging force to which nothing seems scarce or unable to be violated. As my original pain released itself in healing, it rips to shreds the structures and foundations I built in weakness and ignorance. Ironically and unjustly, only I can pay the price for having lived a lie. I'm experiencing the bizarre miracle of reincarnation, of actually feeling as though I've been born again into the same lifetime, however. So this is called The Decision to Heal. This is a book that, I, that I've that i used, Dr. Keetra, time and time again, I'll show you all, with my clients, it's called The Courage to Heal. And, and it's a wonderful book. Now, you've written a book, and you and I have spoken on numerous of occasions about mm-hmm. your book, and that I know that it took a lot of courage to come forth and begin the healing process. And the reason mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I read that quote before we moved down is because there are people that are listening and that will listen that haven't quite got there yet. They haven't got that courage to heal to go forth. So in your healing journey, you wrote the book entitled Seeing Beyond the Shattered Glass. Mm -hmm. Struggle has no hold on the outcome. Tell us a little bit about what you were thinking when you wrote that book and how, excuse me, and how did that book give you the courage to heal in the process? Um, that's okay. So that's 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 a very good point. Um, I mean that seeing beyond the shattered glass was a uh, well, I'm gonna say almost 20 year journey to this point. Um, when I initially started writing this, seriously, it was about 15, but now we're probably close to 20 years. Um, that I God had given me this story, and it was and it all begun around that transitional time when I say I was in my transition time. God had mm-hmm. kind of dealt with me with sharing my story. Well it was very mm-hmm. difficult for me at that time to to put my words on paper. Um because I he wasn't through writing the story yet. And okay. so um out of I, I don't I guess it's courage if we want to use that term. Um I think that when I came to the place when I began to write and when I really wanted to go ahead and move forward with this, it was it was a lot of things that played a factor in that and COVID was one. God okay. has basically put me in a place where now you can write this book. <laughs> you okay. can start this book. Because you in this house and you ain't got nothing else to do. 
And so he had really started dealing with me probably about a year before COVID, pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I had really just started uh, my own research. And um, this book and many of my books that have been written into come are all about the, the, the awareness and prevention component of life at the advocacy group. Because nice. it, it is my personal mission to, to discuss situations that although people go to counseling, and I am an advocate for counseling, seeing beyond the shadow glass is written in a counselor's office. And I yes. did that intentionally because I want people to be okay with going to counseling. But as a victim of, of sexual childhood sexual abuse, I understand that counseling is not for everyone. And I understand mm -hmm. that counseling, people are not going to go to counseling. And I also yes. understand that suppression is real. So sometimes we suppress those emotions, we suppress things that happen to us, and so we don't tend to always remember. And so what I have done in the pages of Seeing Beyond the Shattered Glass is sharing my story, my raw truth. In a very, it, it is in a fictional form. I use different characters, different names, created different scenarios, but the, the meat of the message is the same, is that we want to create a space for individuals to be able to talk about what they have experienced and it is okay to speak their truth. And that is why um, I wrote Seeing Beyond the Shattered Glass, and, and that is why I'm currently on my third book right now, writing about the, the taboos and about the situations where these things can happen. Because my, my um, the perpetrator, the one who molested me, uh, abused me, was my biological father. And so that was a very different type of impact. But um, but to God be the the glory, I'm healed. So that is why I wrote Seeing Beyond the Shattered Glass. <laughs> yes, and thank you so much for sharing that and for being transparent, Dr. Keetra. That's that's what I love about you, your your ability to be transparent. Mm -hmm. I want to just read a little bit of an excerpt about the book for our audience. So we featured Seeing Beyond the Shattered Glass: The Struggle Has No Hope on the Outcome in our Lotus Flower Book Club several months back. And our our book club members, they just love the book. It was very enlightening. I want you to know that, Petra. Very enlightening and life-changing. But a little excerpt about the book, it says that Cassidy Noel Winters is tired of living behind a, the shattered glass. Cassidy was a child full of joy, laughter, and pure innocence. At the age of six, her life drastically changed forever by the one person she trusted. The dark hole left by being robbed of her innocence became filled with low self-esteem, anger, and poor decisions that will follow her into adulthood. Through professional counseling, Cassidy unlocks the buried parts of her past to face her childhood struggles, forgive her abuser, and put the shattered pieces in her life back together again. The experience that Cassie went through from her pain to recovery and ultimate triumph will have the reader exploding with all types of emotions. And I want you to know that emotions are good. Don't wait when you want to cry. Don't shy away when you get angry. Don't shy away when you want to laugh. Don't shy away from those emotions. And I'm sure Dr. Keecher would 
say yes to this as well because when you allow yourself to feel your emotions then you're releasing all of that bitterness and hatred and anger and everything that you suppress down is coming up and out yes. Noel, that's the fictional character in the book that Dr. Peter wrote. What were you thinking when you wrote the character's name, Cassidy Noel Winter, in the book? And you wrote the book in actually in the setting of a counselor's office, as you said. What were you thinking? Well, I, okay. Well, first of all, the, the character name generated from me. Um, I, I always said if I had another child. And you can kind of probably pick this up in the book when you read my book that I would, and, and if it was a girl, I would have named her Cassidy Noel because I really liked the name. So it wasn't hard for me to come up with a character name because that was a name that I have always just loved. So Character Noel, um, Winters was, I mean, it's a character, so we came with, I had to come up with Winters, but Cassidy Noel was um, a name that I would have named a daughter uh, that I didn't have. Um, it's a beautiful name. Thank you. I, I think so too. Like, <laughs> so my, I get to I get to be Cassidy Noel, but you know, through my character. But um, in regards to what I was thinking, I I don't know if I had a a, a real thought. I I did know that in regards to the black community, we sometimes struggle, and I can and I can definitely um give credit to us as a people that over the last ten decade or so, we have to say decade to decade and a half. We understand now the importance of seeking out mental health care and going to counselors and talking about our problems. And so it was very important to me that I I put Cassidy right there in a counselor's office where one, the, the reader would see it is okay to get help. Two, is that it's okay to share your story and tell somebody what happened to you. And then three is that, that there is there is light on the other side of that tunnel and how do you do that it takes a circle and sometimes you have to go and speak to someone because we can't play in our head these things that we want to change we can play but we only hear our voices and sometimes we need to have a sound reason and that's why counselors are there and that's why we have people that we can trust to go in and you know to do those things exactly and i i thank you so much for encouraging our listening audience, especially those of people of color, that it's okay to seek counseling. It doesn't mean that you aren't spiritual enough, that you aren't strong enough, that the Lord is mad at you or anything of that nature. Seek counseling, a good culturally relevant counselor that can mm -hmm. help you. Mm -hmm. Yes, your challenges in life. Now, was it hard for you to forgive your perpetrator well um in regards to forgiveness let me just be very very candid and very light on that because that can be a segment in itself but forgiveness yes. forgiveness doesn't begin with the hurt that happened to you okay forgiveness begins with you as an individual that is a conscientious decision that you personally have to make so once you come to that own resolve that you yourself want to forgive those that have wronged you according to the Bible, then you can in turn say it's easy to forgive the person who hurt me. That don't mean I have to forget. That don't mean I have to have a relationship. That means that I have made a conscientious decision in my heart to clear my heart to forgive 
so that I can be able to become who God has created me to be and be able to move where he wants me to go. And I think that's how I will, that's how I would define forgiveness in a very, 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 <laughs> very shallow way. Because we could talk again, we can consume this whole segment into talking about forgiveness. <laughs> exactly. And I am, I am just taken back by the fact that you were able to forgive your perpetrator. Now I know myself, you know, cause I've, I've had a few birthdays. And so I've, I'm at the place now where I feel like I, I know for sure I could do the same thing, but there were times in my life, in my earlier life that I, there would be no way that I would be able to forgive someone for, for something like that. But I thank and praise God that he has given you, you know, the ability to be able to forgive at that level because people need to know that there's there are different levels that the Lord wants us to forgive at. Now, if somebody steps on your toe, yeah, you might be able to forgive that or somebody might come in your office and steal your pen, you might be able to forgive that. But for something to this of this magnitude to forgive, it's really showing God's heart. It's really because he said when he was hanging on the cross, Jesus, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How, to what degree and to what extent are we going to go to forgive someone that does something to us? What if someone came in, now God forbid, and murdered and murdered their loved one in their home? Would, would you be able to forgive that person and actually show the love of God to that person? How far are you going? Are we going to go with forgiveness? And so, and forgiveness, we know it's really for for us. We always are saying that, especially those of us in the helping profession, that forgiveness is for us. But I want to say that it is for us because it actually frees you. It actually lifts that burden off of you. You don't have to carry it around. And then the, your children and those people that are attached to you and those intimate relationships, those very people are actually freed also in their emotions. They're free to love. They're free. They're not being kept in this little tight shell where they're tipping around and wondering what's mama going to do and how she's going to react. You're actually opening up a whole nother a whole nother avenue for everyone around you, Dr. Keetra, and those that are listening that need to forgive to actually mm -hmm. be free. You're getting rid of that dysfunction. You're mm -hmm. shattering the glass. And that's mm -hmm. what you did. I appreciate that. I appreciate you and your depth that the Lord has taken you to. Mm -hmm. I also wanted to ex you to expound a little bit on your um, counseling for victims of sexual abuse. Do you counsel them or do you re actually refer them out to someone else when they come in to the life advocacy group? Well, I think that, I think we kind of addressed that um, in regards to, I am a devout advocate. I'm, I, that's who I am. I'm an advocate. I'm, that's, my, that's my purpose. That's my mission. I speak to that quite often, almost every day. Um, and yes. not only for sexual abuse, but for all origins, because they all intertwine, they all connect. Emotional, verbal, spiritual, financial, all of the abuse, they all have a origin, they all connect. So That's yes, I, I advocate counseling for victims. I advocate counseling for 
um, anyone who just needs financial help. <laughs> I advocate talking to someone because you, you you get better when you go around with people who can you know truly help you. And so in regards to um, like I mentioned before, when you when you contact Life After Advocacy Group, we are a liaison organization and we definitely help you. And now I don't we have like a six week process and that we yes. commit to. Um, being there and commit to being with you, and but life after is what it is. It, it clearly states that life after. Once you become part of life after, you always connected. You can always call us. You can always come and say, I just need to talk about this. You know, I just need to be in a space. Maybe I don't need to go to my counselor, but I want to speak to an advocate, someone who understands. And that is my mission and that is my purpose. So to answer your question, do you advocate counseling for victims of sexual abuse? Yes, I do. I um I advocate counseling. That's part of what I do and why I do. <laughs> That's good. And I, and I thank God that you are somewhat of a mediator. And I know you said that as well. The mediator between them and the counselor. And you encourage them once again to seek out professional counseling. It's okay. It's okay. Also, what is your personal roadmap to restoration, Dr. Dr. Keitra? Well, um, you know, I have a three-point system. I, I teach this as well. Um, it's that one, my roadmap is this, it's simple. One, you got to identify what happened to you. You got to be okay to identify the thing happened. Oftentimes, as victims, we always we, we often want to suppress it, but we never want to talk about it. So it's easy to forget a thing than to discuss a thing. So one, you have to identify what happened. Once you identify what happened, and know however long you stay in that identify identification process, you will not get to the next process. For me, this is my step: is that I would you would identify. Then you will move to the next step. Then that's when you will become, um, you will begin to admit that it happened. You got to identify things. So you got to admit it. Well, how do you admit it? It happened. I, I know it happened. I identified it. I, 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 it surfaced. I understand it. Whenever that point of demarcation was for you. And then you admit it. Oh, this happened to me. So this usually begins the speak out moment for you. This is when you really begin to speak out about the situation. Every individual is, is different. Some people will fall into their identification and have to go all the way through my three points. A one, a some will just come straight to the point two. When you accept it, you already know what happened to you. You just need to now um, admit, you need to, I mean, I'm sorry, you, you go through the admitting stage and now you just gotta accept that it happened to you. In your accepting stage, that is when the forgiveness comes. That is when you begin to work on you. That is when you begin to find purpose within you. My script, my favorite scripture, one of my favorite, I, you know, the Bible is my favorite, but one that I use as a mantra is Jeremiah 29, 11, because that was my, that was my revelation. That was my, um, I guess my point of saying, aha, I get it. God knew that was going to happen to me. Now, what did it, was it right? No, he, he don't want bad things to happen to good, to us, his children, good people. But will bad things happen to us? Yes. How we know that? As Joe, as Naomi, as Moses, as several of them in the Bible, because their bad things happen to good people. In return to that, he knew it. That's my freedom. He knew it. And how did he, and when, and because he knew it, he knew I was going to go through it. He knew I was going to be where I am today. And that's why the struggle has to hold on the outcome. 
So my my point, my roadmap to restoration, this is Dr. Petra's roadmap. This is not, uh, you know, something you want to say, oh, the counselor said, this is Dr. Petra. This is what, what I teach. This is what, what worked for me. You identify it, you admit it, and then you accept it so that you can become free in your life and you can truly have the salvation of the Lord and receive it. And if you're a non-believer, that even if you're a non-believer, that you still got to go to a point of accepting what happened to you and why you became a non-believer. Because there was a point of demarcation that pushed you to be a non-believer. So I speak to every believer or every unbeliever that may hear this video. It's not whether I believe or not. I'm a believer of Jesus Christ and I believe he died for me. Yes, I do. But what I am saying to those who don't believe that there is a point, there's points that you have to go through in your life that will bring you to the, the mercy of understanding this happened to me. And so instead of, instead of me being bitter, instead of me walking around mad, instead of me walking around angry, I got to deal with this thing. How do I deal with it? Identify it, admit it, and accept it. And that is my roadmap, Dr. Teacher, um, roadmap to restoration. Identify, admit, and accept. Mm -hmm. Identify, admit, and accept. Three A's. People that are listening, you've got to believe that healing is possible. When you identify that thing, you gotta believe that it is possible, no matter what the pain level is that you're gonna face. After you identify this, you've got to be able to go through the process. And in going through the process, you will reach out to people such as Dr. Keetra, counselors and all, and then start believing that you are the expert of your own story. You know, children are abused, women are abused, men are abused and all, but no one knows the story better than you. So you've got to know how to validate your own needs, I would say. Now, now why would I say how to validate your own needs? Because sometimes su survivors, you know, are not believed by people. Sometimes when you go to your mom or you go to your dad or you go to your pastor or your counselor or your teacher, they may not believe you, but it comes to a place where, you know, you get tired of being sick and tired, I'd say. And that's the time where you've got to move forward, like you said, admit it. And I believe you've got to become the expert of your own story and be willing to validate yourself, knowing that if I'm going to come forth with this, no matter who does does or does not believe me, I'm still going to come forth with it because in that is where the healing process begins. And you talked about your personal roadmap to restoration. Well, all of us have a personal roadmap to some type of restoration that we're going through. And that's where it start all starts at, not mm -hmm. being to look at the pain however a straight dab in the face and what does that look like after Petra when you have to look at pain straight dab in the face what how well, is that I, I don't, let me just be honest I don't think that's a question that I that we can we can answer because that question would be it would be different for you. Between, oh for, for yeah, you. and I just wanted to make that point because my story is going to be different from the next story right. but for me in my transition time my revelation came by way of me one seeing how god sees me understanding what my tears mean to me 
what why I cried those tears. He says in his Bible that I would take the tears and I would yes. bottle them up and the, and the tears every every tear that you cry that I will reward you for those and I paraphrase. But what I'm saying is that that was my story. Everybody yes. have a corner demarcation. And yes. I, I, when, when I, I am, I'm a very advocate for listening because what I also realized that a lot of individuals who have been victimized, they really just need someone to listen. They don't really want a whole lot. They just want to be able to know that they're heard. And so what would I say to someone who is currently suffering in silence is to begin your healing journey. How do you, you deal that? Begin to deal with who you are internally. That, can, that is going to be a silent moment. But in that silence, you're seeking God. You're seeking who you serve. You're seeking the righteousness of who wronged you. And then in that, you will say, I will say to you, is begin to speak your truth. That's simple. It's very, very practical. It's speak your truth. And how are you going to speak to your truth? Well, some I may get the question, well, Dr. Keisha, I may not be able to speak my truth. I'm not confident. But you have a friend. You have you have a, a, a trusted parent that you I hope that you're close to. You have a counselor. You have you know there is someone God has positioned in your life that is there and you have yet to know or identify why you're connected to that person. And so in that you will begin to identify who is in your circle and you will begin to say, What must I do to for me to be free? And so that's what I would say to someone who is currently suffering in silence. Um, it's a long journey. It has took many years for me to get where, where I am. But what I am doing is I'm very patient. Why did I say I'm patient? It's because I'm very patient to helping whomever God sends in my life to have to have me. I'm sorry, to help. So I'm very patient. So um that that's that's just what I do. <laughs> I believe that. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I just love your disposition. I believe mm -hmm. that. I believe that your patience shows through your disposition with people. You don't seem like you're rushed and in a hurry or any of that. You know, and all. So, you know, I thank God for for that. He knows just who to put in these situations and in these relationships with people. He knows just who to put there. And I thank and praise God for that, that he chose you for this work that you're doing. I know that you have a scripture that that uh, was a part of your press kit that says uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And we know that's a very familiar passage of scripture that undergirds all of us as Christians, or it should. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now, can you expound on why you included this as a part of your press kit, that particular scripture itself? Well, because all things, faith and hope go together. You can, your faith will only strengthen based on your hope. So if you hope to be healed, if you hope a thing, then your faith is going to carry you to that thing. So what am I saying is that I believe, and that's why this is, again, the whole Bible is my, is my, is my platform. I love the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But what am I saying? Now, faith is a substance because faith is something we really can't see. Faith is something we have to believe. We got to believe it when we can't see it. If we believe, as the scripture says, if we believe that we can move the mountain, we can move it, but we can't see it. And oftentimes when we are hurting, we are in situations, we can't believe there's no way we can come out of that. 
there's no way that I was going to be able to overcome what I've experienced because don't nobody understand how I feel. Well, I bet to differ because God put it in his word. He said the faith is the substance of things hoped for. I hope a thing. I'm tired of hurting. I want to be. But my, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to carry. My faith is going to carry, carry me to the B section of this scripture, and that is the evidence of things not seen. So in order for me to see the things that are not seen, I got to have faith and I got to hope it. So I got to believe by God's grace that I can, I have the faith to see a thing that I have never seen. I had to have a faith that I was here. Prime example, real story. When I, I went back to school when I was 30 years old, I, I started school. I was so, I was just so caught up. I was so internally broken with what happened to me because at the age of 18, I have yet, I have yet to share my story with anyone. Right. So that means I lived in a dark tunnel for many years, for many, many years. But what I do believe is that when God came to me at the age of 12 in a vision, he did. And I didn't understand it until now, into my, my latter years of my life, that when he came to me at 12, he spoke clearly to me and he showed me it was it was like a pastor and it was just, just very colorful. And I knew at that moment I had a calling in my life. That don't mean I got saved. That don't mean I started doing things wrong because I done had a child out of wedlock. I done done all that you can do and it ain't right, but I did it. And therefore, in that, but I had a glimpse of what little hope because I remembered that dream that, came, that I had at the age of 12. I remember that. And that was my little bitty hope because he said is that if we have faith, at the size of a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. If you have faith and a little bitty hope, then you'll be able to see the evidence of not seen. You'll be able to see yourself today. Who would have ever thought at 50 I would be here? Who would have ever thought I would be an advocate, an author, and an entrepreneur? Who would have ever thought? Because I was the least of those. I was the least of those. But God will take your mess and turn it into a message of very familiar passage that we hear, I mean, not a passage that we hear is cliche that people say, but he will. But we got to right. trust him. So this scripture, this this particular text is so power packed that we can, you know, we can teach on this all day. But yes. you got to connect your faith with what's not seen and you got to have the hope to believe that you're going to see it. That's right. Amen. Amen. That's, that's excellent. And I also want to give kudos to you because you're also a an accomplished woman that has earned a PhD. Not many African American women earn PhDs. They don't get to that level. Not that we're bragging, but we're boasting in the Lord. So I thank God that he gave you the ability to actually obtain the one of the high, the highest degree in the land, a PhD. So kudos to you. Doing, doing that and setting an example for us that it can be that it can be accomplished, mm -hmm. Dr. Keitra. Yeah. Thank you. Now you have also written a book entitled Revelation. When your blurred past meets your presence, and tell us about the book Revelation and why you wrote it, but also. Tell us about why in the spelling you have the L-A-Y capitalized in the word revelation. Well, 
and a very narrated, um, very, I'm, I'm very to the point. Um, revelation came based on my advocacy is who I am as an advocate and also the message of awareness and prevention. Um, when, when God gave me revelation, I, and it's funny because I went back and forth. I have a writing code. We went back and forth. I said, that's not it. This is it. But he gave me clearly, what is a revelation? It is something that is made known to us. That is a revealed truth. That's what revelation is. Even in the Bible, the Bible of um, the revelation in the Bible is a revealed truth of Jesus Christ when He come back. That's when we don't see Him. Revelation. So Amen. the the context of this book is also I have message in all my books that I write. There's a message. There's go, there's going to be an issue. There's mm -hmm. going to be um, an experience. There's mm -hmm. going to also be redemption and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You're going to get that in Amen. every book that I write because That's I am I, I am truly believe that God has positioned and prepared me to be able to speak to that unspoken for that unspoken person. Revelation yes. is a setting in a church. A lot of times we don't want to deal with these things in a church. Right. I, you know, and as a pastor's wife, you know, my the first one who read my book was my husband. But you know what I can truly or truly say that he understood the message. Because he did say as a pastor of twenty six years that one, we don't speak enough about it. Because it, it opens too many Pandora boxes. So, what, and I have to make that disclaimer up front because that's when your blurred past meets your present. That's what it's yeah. about. It, it's about, um, it's, it's my first novel. It's, I'm really, I was really excited about it because God really spoke. Um, I, I've had questions asked to me, was this book written about somebody or certain things? I'm going to just say this to you. Um, you got to get the book at my website, drteacher.com. You can go and click. Um, I prefer you to go to my website so you can, it can be autographed. That's my preference um, because I'm very intimate and I like to be able to know my readers. So, in addition, if you want to really know the truth about Pastor Harrington, you know, read the, uh, read Revelation. But um, it is in the setting of a church and a lot of things that may, um, you know, I've had first ladies, other first ladies to read my book and, you know, they, um, they've shared with me some moments. But what I will say to you is that um, that's what Revelation is about. It's newly released. Um, I am working on my next book. I, I look to mm, release that in probably the first quarter of 23. Um, and that um, it will be a sequel to kind of like a follow up of, um, mm -hmm. to Revelation to bring out some more issues. But this one is dealing with abuse, sexual abuse mm -hmm. specifically in the church. So I, I close in that moment. It's dealing with sexual abuse in the church. In the church? <laughs> Hey, now that's that's gonna be something that's definitely you said gonna turn or uh, shake some things up and uh the topic itself. But God knows He's given it to you. I'm sure it's gonna really do well and it's gonna really make an impact and it's gonna allow a lot of people to become free from things that have been holding them back for years and years and years and years. Mm -hmm. and Dr. Keecher. I have a few questions that I wanted to ask you that are fun field questions and all. So before we transition to a close, I have a few questions that I like to kind of kick around with you. And one of them is, if you could choose to be any animal in the whole wide world, what animal might you choose to be and why? Well, it's interesting because what came to my mind, and I'm going to go with what came to my mind, was a panda bear. 
Okay. Um, I think, I think the, the, the coloration of a panda bear, the combination between black and white, the dark and white, uh-huh. I, I think it's a very mystical animal. It's, okay. it's very large and statue, but very cuddly and very, you know, relatable in, in, in heart. But it yes. also has two sides. It has a soft side and, and it has that, that black side. And I think many of us, many of us, we walk around with two colors, black and white. And that if I had a choice, I guess I would be a panda bear. And, you know, because I, I definitely demonstrate both sides of that. Oh, okay. And also, if you and your family went on vacation, what would be your most favorite spot to go to and why? Mm, well, okay, so I'm a little, I'm a, like a little nerd um, at heart. <laughs> um, I, I almost want to say, I'm going to go with what came to my mind first, would be Rome, um, because I, I definitely want to take the um, Paul's Walk, because I've had the opportunity to go to Israel. And so I think that I, I would love to take my family and go with my family on a journey. I mean, and I know that may sound boring to some people, but I'm a nerd. I'm very inquisitive. I love I love to read. I love the library. You know, mm-hmm. you can you cannot miss Dr. Teacher with a good book card. Okay, I love okay. book cards. <laughs> but, um, but I, I think that's what I would like to do. I, I I mean, you know, obviously the most the most common place would to be would to say would be the beach. You know, we all love water. I can't swim, so hey, I want to go to Rome. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. And that's another reason why our, our spirit's connected, because I'm a nerd also, and I love books, and I have more books than anything, probably. Okay. So um, I think you somewhat touched on this. Uh, what is your biggest fear? Um, You know, I think that, to me, we don't have a spirit of fear, and I, and I and I say that to myself every day. Um, I think I lay aside the things that um, that can fear that I fear, and I try to think of things that bring me hope. Uh, when I was in a dark tunnel, when I was in a season in the dark tunnel, my greatest fear was the darkness. Um, okay. I never liked to sleep in the darkness because my perpetrator always came when it was dark. So um, I think in this in this life where I am as a believer as a Christian um, I I I'm 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 happy I'm content um, I love the Lord and He crushes mm-hmm. all fear that can come upon us in my mind and so I I can't really say I'm not telling you that I'm invincible I'm not telling you that I'm unemotional but what yeah. I am saying is that I try to see things um, differently because of who I am and who resides in me and that's just me um, you know. That's me. <laughs> That's great. And um, who is your biggest hero? Oh God, my mother, my mother. And because why? Her, I'm high, um, you know, I know okay. my mother. My mother is such a strong woman. Um, you know, she had me. I'm a I'm a product of a teenage mother. My mother had me at 15, and okay. um, I she has this she has this demonstrated resiliency and perseverance and um grace and she has the same spirit that her daughters she put her her spirit is in her daughters we are both yes. active we're both vocal we're both we both care for people um yeah. me and my sister and you know we my sister and and my mom both have been trailblazers they have set the page in, in a community we love serving a community 
So I think my biggest hero, and, and I know that that's a, again, it's a common thing, but to me, my mom, and, and, and I have been very reflective. When I turned 50, my year of yes, I said, you know, what, what has molded Dr. Petra? What has made me me? How do I see me now? And, and how do I see me? It's because of the great women that came before me. My mom, my grandmother, my great grandmother was the first African American woman to sell insurance and have a car in Marshall, Texas. So I just, I have come from a lineage of some strong black women and, and, and I, and I'm embracing that. And I hope that for my children, my daughter and my grandchildren one day, and I, that's what I hope is that our, our, my legacy would be that um, my mom, she, she, she spoke the truth. Um, I am who I am. I'm going to tell you, please don't infringe me in your mess because I'm not, a, I'm not, in, you know, that's just not me. I'm going to be honest and transparent. So I think that that's how, if I had to say, my mother. <laughs> that's great. That's great. And with this being National Women's Month, March, that's very mm -hmm. fitting to give that honor to mom. What makes you laugh the most? Oh God, myself, laughing at me and my, my <laughs> quirky ways and my my things that people don't know I'm thinking about or <laughs> uh, uh, things that I do. Cause I have, you know, I have my issues too. So I laugh at myself. I think that um, laughter is good for the soul and you should just learn to laugh more. And I think that also helps heal the soul. Laughing yes. Is, so when they have to kill the soul, so I laugh at myself all the time. But you know, that's, that's me. <laughs> well, BB Winan has a song out that says, "Laughter is yes, good. Yes, it's yes. like a medicine." It's one of my yes. favorite songs. You probably know the song. Yes, yes, yes. That's one and of it's my funny favorite. People, you know, it's funny when people see me; they always perceive me as a serious person. They always perceive me. Oh, she's just very serious. She just, you know, <laughs> she's very standoffish. Um, yeah. You know, I do put on a mind of Christ, but I am very relatable, and I and mm -hmm. I love God's people. But yes. I um I don't have a time for I don't have time for a lot of frivolous stuff. I, yes. I really don't. That don't mean I can't be friends and we can't be social. But my time is very valuable, and I want to do what God has called me to do. And that's in laughter, that's in fun, that's in ministry, that's in writing, that's in whatever that is. Oh, that that's great, and I I. I can concur with that. You, to me, just uh, probably just a very serious uh, person that is a deep thinker. If I'd say, if when I met you, I it, I didn't think that you were standoffish or anything of that nature. I thought, well, maybe you're just really a deep thinker, and you just really. Uh, I had someone on my podcast the other night said that he thinks about his thoughts, thinks about what you're thinking, and, and uh, maybe you don't go that far with it, but you know the type of stuff. <laughs> Right. My last question is, if um, if you went, if say you and your husband went out on a date and you went to a karaoke night, you know, maybe that's something you don't do, but just use your sanctified imagination and you went out to karaoke night and all, what might you sing at karaoke night and why? Um, You make me feel like a natural woman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? Um, simply because that's, I mean, I'm natural, I'm going to be me, and I think that when you're out with your husband, based on the scenario that you gave, you should be the most natural person that you can be. Be yourself. Okay. It makes you feel like a natural woman. And I like that. <laughs> okay, and as we transition to a close, Dr. Akitra, if you were a superhero, what powers would you have, and why would you have those powers? 
Well, my childhood um, superhero was Superman. So I will have the I will, I will hope to have the powers that I can fly and go wherever I want by just a one of my hands and um, swing and do whatever. Although I'm scared of heights, but I think I still will want to be um, <laughs> Superman. Okay. So you know that that will be my that's the mystical powers that I would like to have. I can go and be wherever I want to go. <laughs> Amen. Do you still like Superman to this day? I do. I do. Yes, that was my favorite. I was just very captivated with him as a kid. There's pictures of me when I was a little girl with um, Superman. So, yeah, I was very captivated. That's great. That's great. Well, I appreciate you being our special guest this evening on the Lotus Flower Podcast. It's been a really good discussion. Thank you so much. Is there any last minute things that you like to share with our audience before we transition to a close? Well, I just want to say one thank you for having me. Um, I love these moments when I get to talk, and, and really hopefully there has been a word that has terminated somebody's heart tonight and that they want to speak out or, or when they listen to this um, this segment. But um, also I want to make sure that I just highlight that, you know, my missions in life as an author, as a, um advocate, and as an entrepreneur, you know, goes beyond. My, my, my um, educational foundation was in business. That is where I started at, um, before I transitioned to education. Currently, I'm, a, I'm in education. I'm an educator as well. Um, but my passion is to help businesses um, be, build better on a solid foundation. And what, why did I say that is because my consulting firm, Rock Dimensional Consulting, which I started in 2010, um, is where I help businesses form and, and I do coaching and mentoring. And you can also find that information out on my website as well. But we we are getting ready to have um I'm getting ready to you know have some time where I can spend with some of my business my business um, minded people. I'm all, I've been an advocate for so long, and I need to I need to get all this business stuff mm-hmm. out of me as well. So while you mentioned the consulting, you can definitely. Um, go to lifeafterag.org and hit the Rock Dimensional Consulting tab and find out more about that and hopefully register for uh, one of my classes that's coming up starting in June. But um, what I would like to say in regards to my takeaway is that remember that the struggle has no hold on the outcome. That's great. You are going to be who God has called you to be according to Jeremiah 1 and 5. He knew you. He knew you in your mother's your mother's womb before you were born. He knew your daddy. He knew your mama. He knew when you was gonna be conceived. He knew that. So why did I say that? Because no matter what it is you go through in your life, no matter what you experience, God knew. That's right. And and that means if He knew, He's gonna take you through if you trust Him and believe Him. Amen. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, woman of God for your great wisdom that you shared on tonight. And thank you for being so transparent with it. I have been blessed. Not only are our audience getting blessed and and richly blessed by what our audience are hearing in their ear gates and taking in through their eye gates. But first of all, it hits me and my husband and our ministry, and we are just being richly blessed by all this wisdom that's coming our way. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Give thank give you. our um, hellos to your husband as oh, well no. and to your family. And I'd like to know if you would, if you would uh, transition us out in a prayer this evening. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to. Still listen prayer. Let us thank pray. You. Father God, 
Let us pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for just being able to be in our presence tonight as we came together as women of God during Women's um, Recognition Month, Lord, that for every listener of this segment, man, woman, or child, that their lives begin to change and their hearts begin to be enriched through you, Lord. I ask right now that you bless Dr. Robinson and Apostle Robinson as they continue to do this great work that they're doing in opening this vehicle through you to, to set a platform for other believers and other individuals who are experiencing things that may have been set to kill them, but because of you, Lord, you have given them a revitalization and a way to be able to walk through it. Now, Father yes. God, I ask right now that as we begin to close this prayer, that you will bless each home represented here tonight and every home that is represented that listens to this segment, that you bless them, you enrich them, you give them the wisdom, the strength, and the courage to move forth in their life and become who you have called them to be. So, Lord, I ask these things as your daughter and our son, Jesus Christ's name, our Savior, Jesus Christ's name, yes. that we say these things and these petitions and we say amen. 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 Uh, Dr. Keetra, how can our listening audience connect with, with you? Well, you can um, you can find me on all social media platforms. I'm on Twitter, um, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, it's Dr. Keetra, just Google, and there she go. Uh, or you can go to my website, drkeetra.com. I try to keep things very simple. Dr. Keetra, Dr. K-E-T-R-A. Dot com and if you need services life after advocacy group or rock dimensional consulting please go to my um, business page and that's life after org. again that's life after a f t e r a g all god a g dot org and um click on the, the rock dimensional tab for rdc and when you come up you will see um our service page from the beginning so thank you that's how you can reach me yes <laughs> i would love to hear from you Thank you. And thank you also for being one of our sponsors for our advertisements. So those that are under the sound of my voice, you will hear at the conclusion of the podcast, you'll hear an advertisement about Rock Dimensional Consultants and how you can get in contact with Dr. Keetra. Thank you again, Dr. Keetra, for being our special guest this evening. May God richly bless you for how you poured out our audience tonight thank you thank you so much again for having me and i again i pray that somebody was blessed i pray a word that was said and thank you so much and i look forward to hearing from you and seeing you soon amen thank you good night now what a word what a word what a word i thank and praise the lord for dr keetra davenport king our special guest tonight on the podcast wasn't that a rich word and i thank god that she's so transparent and so willing to share and so willing to encourage us to know that the struggle has no hold on the outcome now be sure and go out there and purchase her books surviving and the struggle was the title of our podcast episode this evening. Thank you again, podcast audience, for supporting The Lotus Flower. 
podcast. We wouldn't be here without you, our audience. Thank you so much. I'd like now to transition to one of the ads, thanking Dr. Keitra for being our special guest. Yes, thank the Lord once again for Dr. Keitra Davenport King for being our special guest this evening on the Lotus Flower Podcast. The Lotus Flower Podcast is being sponsored this evening by Cali's Beauty Supply, Rock Dimensional Consultants, and Jasmine's Fun Fashions. Stay tuned from a word from our sponsors.
Are you looking for a friendly place to purchase your beauty supplies and hair supplies for the entire family? Well, you found the right place. Cali Beauty Supply, located at 1614 West Main Street in Kalamazoo, Michigan. They offer outstanding customer service and believe deeply in giving back to their community. Mo El Katabi is the owner. Customers can shop in the store or online. Curbside pickup is also available. They also have a full service salon inside of the business called Stephanie Renee Salon. Be sure to check them out as well. You may reach the store for your online purchases via their website at www.calibeauty.com. Their hours of operation are Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. The business prides itself with the following motto, where beauty gets done. Be sure to contact Rock Dimensional Consulting, LLC, where Dr. Keitra L. Davenport-King is the proprietor and business consultant. Located in the beautiful Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area, her services are available nationwide online. The Rock Dimensional Consulting, LLC firm's mission is to build businesses on a solid foundation and equip leaders. RDC helps business leaders solve complex business problems, improve efficiency, empower teams, and implement long-term sustainable improvements. The hours of operation are 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. You may contact Dr. Davenport King via phone at 940-227-1615. The website is at www.lifeafterag.org and email them at rockdimensionalconsulting at gmail.com. Dr. Keitra Davenport King's business prides herself on the following motto, building businesses on a solid foundation. Are you looking for unique, fun, fashionable clothing at a fraction of the cost? Then you've got to check out Jasmine's Fun Fashions. Jasmine's Fun Fashions is a locally owned mother-daughter consignment boutique located in the beautiful town of Morganton, North Carolina. They have over 14 years of consignment, fashion apparel purchase, and retail experience and pride themselves in providing excellent customer service as well as establishing long-lasting friendships with consigners and customers. Reach out and shop with them online via their website jazzybiz24.7 at gmail.com. However, if you're ever in the Morganton, North Carolina area, be sure to stop in the store, which is located at 304 Burkemount Avenue in Morganton, North Carolina, 28655. You may also call the store to inquire about merchandise at 828 828- 544-5187. Their hours of operation are Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They serve their customers with the motto of excellent customer service and friendship.